Hi, thanks for joining us for another episode of Patrons and Partnerships. Today we spoke with Meg Thilosen, one of the co-founders of First Magnitude Brewing Company and Working Food, a local nonprofit that works to cultivate and sustain a resilient local food community in North Central Florida. This episode has been edited for length and clarity and has been split into two parts. The first half of this episode was posted on March 24th and can be found anywhere you listen to podcasts. How has working food handled COVID? So the one area that was actually able to keep going and actually like experienced kind of an increase in activity was the seeds. In her area, sales of seeds, she was kind of inundated with requests for purchasing seeds. And then youth gardens, the team pivoted to a, a kit-based approach. The other neat thing during COVID related to youth programs is Alachua County um, worked with us on a grant that ended up um, being a major funder for a pilot youth culinary program. And that was wonderful because this focuses on older students, so middle and high school age students. We developed through that funding a pilot program with some amazing partners again, still Greater Duval Neighborhood Association, but also uh, Chef Carl, who uh, runs Chef Empowerment Program and Underground Kitchen and is an amazingly talented chef who worked with us to develop the curriculum. And then it had to go to Zoom, which was not how that was originally planned, but it actually ended up being amazing because number one, Chef Carl and Andrew Miles at Greater Duval are amazing facilitators. So you had these students in their own kitchens at home come on, I think it was twice a month. Like it wasn't just like a one or two time thing. It was 18 months plus of program of continuous work with them. And they cooked and plated these absolutely amazing three course, beautiful meals. Thanks to Chef Carl and Andrew being able to be just so talented and patient managing that through Zoom, as you can imagine, and each student in their own kitchen was incredible. And the nice unintended benefit of that was that their families, they were all all coming through at times too. It was a shared experience. And then we also, through Jesse uh, Wilson, who runs our, who's our program lead and Jenna uh, with Working Food, they worked with Carl to develop the, the plans, the menus, and then they would go and source all the ingredients and they would prep it at Working Foods kitchens um, and then deliver it to each student's house. All of, almost all of the food was locally sourced. So she worked with farmers and local providers, and it was just beautiful food. And it was just amazing programming, a pilot. We learned a lot and we're still working with the county to figure out what's next. The kitchen, though, did slow down. We pretty much had to pause our kitchen culinary for entrepreneur program because, first of all, we didn't even know it was safe at first to have a shared environment. The only other thing I wanted to mention during COVID, which was very innovative, I had nothing to do with it, but I'm just in awe of the folks that working through that pulled it off was they spun up first a um, drive through farmer's market that came through the plaza where we're located on 10th Avenue. During that time when farmer's markets were shut down, everything else, it was amazing. I don't remember the statistics on how many people took advantage of that, but farmers were able to still sell through, um, at least in that environment. Folks for many, many months uh, were able to come through and get their local food. Uh, we also did a meal relief program. We worked with Community Foundation of North Central Florida, again, with partners, including Family Promise and others in the community who were struggling to meet the needs. And actually, Bert Gill of Mildred's and Blue Gill, he worked with us and his 
team actually prepared the meals. It was family meals and we delivered, it was like 25,000 meals or something that we were able to prepare and deliver through partners like Family Promise and, and others in the communities. Back to the kitchen. I'm really excited again to report that like we're back online and we're you know, we're bringing in new clients as we're able. Staffing for us is a challenge because it does take a lot and we are a small nonprofit with limited funds. So, you know, staffing and doing right by the entrepreneurs by not just providing the facilities, but managing the ins and outs and answering their questions and needs is, is a challenge. So we are, we have slowly been opening back up and bringing on new clients and it's been really exhilarating to see and help where we can. So again, we're up to about 17 clients right now, I think. That's a huge improvement from the kitchens being shut down completely. So yeah, yeah. You're just hoping that can go forward in 2022. What else was working food planning for 2022? So we just had our, and I'll touch on events because I appreciate you asking specifically about that. We had our first event last November, early December called the pumpkin pop-up. And so it was the first time we felt comfortable. We have an open outdoor courtyard um, at our location. that's quite large. And so we had a, amazing event. The theme was pumpkins and we had pumpkin tasting. And then we had, I can't remember how many local food entrepreneurs and, and aficionados that, that they cooked with pumpkin and they provided samples. And then there was a, you know, a competition. It was, it was amazing. It was a beautiful day in the courtyard. People were able to come out and socialize safely. So that was kind of our test. Um, we're hoping, depending on how things go next, as hopefully Omicron fades, we're hoping and working on what are going to be the next events. So we anticipate, hopefully folks will stay tuned. You can go to workingfood.org um, and there's a newsletter option if you are inclined to sign up for our newsletter. But hopefully you can stay tuned if anyone's interested, because we are going to either have a series of similar events, maybe smaller, but similar type in our courtyard to feature local food and entrepreneurs or our marquee event had been something we call the local food awards. So pre-COVID, um, every May we would host and we would honor um, somebody in the local food system that's been a real, you know, cultural champion or important in the in the local food system scene. So we may or may not also revisit that and see if it's possible to bring the local food awards back in some form or fashion. So uh, we anticipate planning and announcing either a series of smaller or a big event starting the earliest would probably be, you know, late March at this point, all the way through late May, early June, when things get too warm to, to comfortably do it out in our courtyards. What were you most looking forward to for 2022? So because I've always been closest to it, my biggest area of excitement is the kitchen. You know, it's a lot of moving parts. Number one for me is to keep fundraising around that kitchen. I call it a restabilization. We're not quite there yet, but we're pretty close to being sort of restabilized and, and getting that operation up and running again. We have an amazing part-time community kitchen coordinator that started with us in September. His name is Robert. Um, so I'm really, number one, most excited to hopefully keep that running and carefully growing. The next would be since the first county grant for the pilot of the youth culinary program has ended through our own funding, we've created a bridge with the same group of students because we really, our approach is to try and establish continuity as much as possible and keep with them as much as they want to keep with us. And so my next biggest excitement slash concern is to try and make sure we find the funding so that come the summer and fall, we can keep that programming going in a high quality way. The city and county have a lot of American Rescue Plan funds 
that they're about to figure out how they're going to disperse. And we believe that kitchen and working with students fits that COVID relief area big time in terms of local impact. The city and county are hopefully very literally about to start dispersing that money. For us, again, as a small nonprofit, is always watching our budget carefully. Depending on how that plays out, that will give us the ability to do a little bit more forward planning with higher confidence. And then lastly, the other event I just want to mention, because it supports all local nonprofits and it's amazing, is the Amazing Give, which is late April. I don't know the exact date, but it's a huge local fundraising event in the community run by the Community Foundation in North Central Florida that is just, I can't speak highly enough of it. It's an amazing way to engage our local citizens and learn about all the amazing nonprofit work going on. In years past, it was a combination of hosting like in-person things as part of that amazing give. Um, Obviously, that hasn't happened the last couple of years, but there's a good chance, hopefully, like by late April, that if things are still looking better, that it'll be back to that format. So we will be hosting events associated with amazing give and lots of other great organizations will. So hopefully 22 will be a really exciting, busy year for you guys that won't be as stressful or if it is stressful, it's stressful in a good way. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) And other than the website, how can the community get involved with working food? I know you have the seed store. What else can people do to help out? So, yeah, thank you very much for asking. So we, um, volunteering definitely. So same thing on our website or just by emailing us directly at info at workingfood.org. We do keep a running list of volunteers. And I think that our volunteer events, they're fun. We have a great team that preps really well. So we don't throw volunteers sort of like into it and they just end up being really fun events. So um, volunteering for sure. And then really just, I think spreading the word is huge, you know, like anything. Working food, because it's a little bit complex and multifaceted, sharing our story can be a little challenging. Um, But if there's a particular area, whether it's seeds or youth culinary or youth gardens programs or kitchen and entrepreneurs, if there's a particular area that appeals to someone, please just reach out directly to us and ask questions because we love to share more information about what it's really all about. And then that can definitely open up more opportunities to, to be involved. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about today? Anything we missed? No, I don't think so. I really appreciate you guys reaching out and doing this programming. It's all important to let folks that tune in in various places and various ways, not always on Instagram and Facebook, right? Like (laughs) um, nothing against that, but uh, for sure, I, I we're grateful for the opportunity and hopefully I didn't ramble too much. No, that's all sounded great. Any way we can reach people is great. Meg, thank you so much for making time for this today. We really appreciate the ability to interview you. Thank you very much. My pleasure. And nice to meet you, Eleanor. Have a great rest of your weekend. Nice to meet you too, Meg. Have a good day. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to Patrons and Partnerships. If you know of an individual or organization you'd like to recommend for an interview, email us at lpsfprogram at gmail.com. To listen to more episodes, find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. And be sure to check out the Alachua County Library on Spotify while you're there for chill playlists to read to, handpicked by our librarians. 
The Spring Teen Art Show is open for submissions. Teens aged 16 to 19 are encouraged to submit their work up until April 15th for the chance to see their art displayed on our website or hung on the HQ gallery wall. More information, including entry forms, can be found online at aclib.us slash events. Have you heard the news? Your library card now grants you access to Hoopla, a music and video streaming service with thousands of albums, comics, and movies you can enjoy on any device with the Hoopla app. There's no need to place a hold. All of the content is available on demand at any time. To check it out, go to aclib.us slash Hoopla. Storytime on the Green is back for the new year starting January 11th. Visit our site at aclib.us slash storytime on the green for a list of times and locations for all branches. Partnership staff hold story times at Smoky Bear Park off of 15th every Thursday at 10.30 a.m., weather permitting, and we have a representative from the Dolly Parton Imagination Library to help you sign up. The Dolly Parton Imagination Library provides preschool children with a free book every month until age five. If you have a child under age five in your household, it's a great opportunity to encourage their love of reading. Looking for a way to encourage your child's love of science and technology? Then place a hold on one of ACLD's STEM kits, courtesy of the Rotary Club of Gainesville. Each kit includes hands-on educational exploration of a STEM topic, with an interactive toy, book, and DVD on topics ranging from electricity to physics. Check out the full listing of kits at aclib.us slash stemkits.